Okay, this is uh, Mitch Kahn. I'm the host of the Losing It for Good podcast. And I am here today with uh, a friend of mine who lives over in the uh, UK, Danny Allman. I think he's one of the lost uh, Allman brothers uh, who uh, moved from, I think, Georgia to uh, the UK. And I'm just joking around right now. He's... He, we're, we're doing this over Zoom. So he's looking at me like, who the hell are the Almond Brothers, right? No, I've heard of them, but that's a, it's a different name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they were uh, a Southern rock group. Uh, okay. I think in the 70s and 80s for the most part. So... I just thought I'd throw that in there as a joke, but but anyway. Yeah, no, I like it when I think any attempt at humor is always appreciated, but if it's not funny, I don't laugh, that's all. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I tell a lot of jokes that people don't laugh at, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm used to that. Uh, but but Danny, Danny is a, uh, a coach that I came uh, first in contact with through the mastermind group that uh, we're both a part of. And he does something different than myself and my coaching because my coaching is geared more toward weight loss and Danny is geared more toward mind and body and the connection thereof. And he has a podcast himself, which I'm going to let you introduce yourself as opposed to me talking all great about you. You want the name of the podcast? Well, yeah, and then give some background too. Okay, so the the podcast is called the Body Mind Mastery Podcast. Um, So a little bit of background. Um, So my initial journey into teaching yoga came as a product of I was doing different types of uh, like remedial body work so I did like sports massage and Thai massage and uh, something called the dawn method and something called neuroskeletal realignment therapy so all methods to kind of treat injury and deal with kind of pain and dysfunction in the body um, but what happened was I noticed a lot of people would come for that stuff but never um, it wouldn't go away because they'd carry on the same, you know. Um, so there's something I didn't really enjoy treating people for the same thing. Although if they were an attractive lady, I probably did enjoy it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what I noticed was um, so there was two reasons. The, the one of the big reasons to get into yoga was because of that to give people something to better support their body so they weren't coming out back about the same stuff the other thing was my story i suppose i wanted women to like me and i thought that was a way to do it oh interesting uh, and i recognized yeah. that was a that was a big contributing factor to it as well i um you know if i if i take this now into my current understanding it's simply there's a part of me that felt unloved that only felt loved if a woman liked me you know, and it took me a while to realize that was the kind of the, the root of it. Interesting. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So how did you, uh, how did you learn all the different techniques? Techniques from yoga or just like everything that I currently Yeah. Everything that you, that you do. Okay. So, um, 
I've done uh, four yoga teacher trainings now. So two of them were in India. One of them was in Bali and one was UK. Now the two that I did in India, um, that took me into a world where I was living in a, in a totally alien way. So the, my whole life when I'm in the ashram, when I was in the ashrams was all about yoga. So for example, you start at six in the morning and there's different aspects to yoga. You've got the devotional aspect, the intellectual aspect, and then the physical aspect. So, you know, body, mind, heart, you could say. And um, living in an ashram setting means that your whole day is devoted to it. So you start in the morning with meditation, uh, kirtan, which is singing, and then you do some study of some scripture led by the Swami. Uh, and then you do a yoga class. And then you have, uh, it's kind of brunch. You eat twice a day in the ashram. Um, and then you do service. So you have to do cleaning and chores without any reward. Uh, and then you have lectures, another yoga class. Then you have the evening meal. And then you have an evening satsang, which is the same again, you know, meditation, singing, and a bit of study. Um, so doing that every day for a period of time changes you to a degree. Yeah. living in a, in a totally different way and realizing oh there's a totally different way i can live and be in the world it, it has an impact however the challenge is when you come out of that setting to apply it to a, a busy bustling world where people are much more self-centered and focused on what they want there's going to be some conflict you know so to take things that come from a monastic setting and apply them to a busy world is going to require something outside of that uh remit in my experience which is where the the coaching and the psychotherapy components come into it interesting how long how long were you uh in india for so in total three months three months and before that you said you were doing like sports sports massage and and mm, different yeah. types of yeah. i guess therapeutic work did you go to school for that too or yeah yeah that was what when i first finished um college that was what I first got into I worked in gyms and things um you know teaching classes and working with people uh, and then I moved more in towards the actual therapeutic aspect of it rather than just the exercise component um so and then that's when things started to move in a different direction because the people I was around were um interested in a lot of different areas at that time gym work wasn't really focused very much on the the mental and emotional aspects it was purely about image really yeah yeah so are, are, are most of what uh most of what you do is class-based right you, you don't do online work or or do you no i i have three formats so i have my in-person local classes um yeah I, I have that and um and i run some workshops in the area and things i also have an online platform that i run so i've got like the the free facebook group as well as the um the online classes that people that pay to come to classes can pay to do as well something else and then i have the the one-to-one -one stuff that i do with people which is kind of a lot of it is in this format and then I devote a day or a day and a half to being in person with them as well, if they're in the UK. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Where where are you? Where are you at in, in England? I'm based in Nottingham. Have you heard of Nottingham? Yeah, Robin Hood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And and, and, and in Nottingham called the Major Oak. 
the, the major uh, and oak. The story behind it is that Robin Hood hid inside the major oak. Um, it's a really, really big old oak tree in Sherwood Forest, and it's kind of propped up by kind of metal pillars and stuff now because it would probably just fall down otherwise. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice place to visit if you ever come to Nottingham. Is it? Uh, is there a big forest there still, or has most of it been taken uh, down? No, it's it's pretty big. Yeah, it's still pretty big. I mean, by UK standards, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I know there's a, a soccer team there too, right? Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I live two minutes from the football ground. Yeah. Really? Okay. What uh, what level are they at now? They're not championship, are they? They're not in the Premier League, which is like the highest league in the, right. in the UK. I think they're in the. I think they call it the championship, which is like the, the division below it. Below it, yeah. 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 Yeah, they're not great. They're not great. But it doesn't <laughs> bother me. I don't really care much for soccer or football. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I just tend to get a slight... The frustration that appears for me when there's hordes of people around near where I live and I'm having to kind of battle through them just to get into my home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, okay. So in relation to where Nottingham is uh, in England itself, mm. where is it like in relation to London? <laughs> Do you think, Mitch, that uh, in America, a lot of people only know London and that's it? Well, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, so if I was to drive to London from here, it would be two and a half hours. Two and a, which direction? <laughs> South. Yeah, South. South, okay. Nottingham is in the middle. Yeah. Okay, so it would be near, it would be closer to maybe Birmingham? Yes, yeah, it's about an hour from Birmingham. Okay, okay. See, I know more cities in, in there, but I'm not sure. If you haven't been there, you know, for sure. yeah, for uh, sure. all you yeah. ever see is London. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think for for us here in the UK, in the States, we only really shown um, Florida and California, really. Yeah, yeah. I totally get yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. So, and you and you you do some mindset work as well, right? I'll explain to you my my way of working, Mitch. Okay, that when would be great. Um, that would be that would be great. It will make it easier for you to. Yeah, Dan, Danny, 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 why why don't you it will, it will go ahead and explain what you for the right question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for me, I take the. Um, there's a form of psychotherapy called Gestalt therapy. Okay. Um, and the way Gestalt therapy works is the premise is on the I thou, so the here and now relationship. So you don't have to go fishing into different areas because everything is happening now and, and all of it is being revealed now in terms of where somebody's eyes go shows you where their attention and focus is, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, someone's mannerisms, their breathing patterns, all of that kind of stuff. The, um, the language patterns, the subjects that they avoid talking about, 
the subjects they want to talk about. All of it's being revealed right now anyway. So the way Gestalt therapy works, there's three zones of awareness. Okay, so you can be aware of your conceptual stuff. You can be aware of your somatic experience, what you're feeling within the body. And you can be aware of your sensory experience. Now, most of us have blank spots, but it's all impacting one another, but most of us have blank spots. So some people are very physically inclined. Okay, so they're very, um, they're very into their body. They're very good. At their, they're interested in looking after their body, taking care of their body. Some people are more sensory. So just purely hedonistic. It's just about what's going on around them. Uh, and then some people are very conceptual. And the area that you're most identified with is usually the product of a result of the one that has got you the most approval in the world. Okay. So that's given you your sense of identity because that's the one that you've had the most positive feedback about. But commonly what happens is the area that we're most identified with results in blank spots in the other spaces. So for example, a lot of people that are very intellectual aren't always the best at looking after their body. You know, mm -hmm. some people that are very um, body orientated are perhaps not very aware of the, the thoughts and feelings that are going on. They, they just use their body to manage it all and are a little bit sort of avoidant of those spaces. So for me, for a more uh, free and complete experience, we've got to be open to more of it as opposed to trying to just push some of it away, for example. Interesting. Okay. So someone who, like for, for my clients who might be the ones that are looking to lose weight, mm. would, would you say they probably are ones that aren't focused on their body? I would say if somebody gets... <clears throat> if somebody allows their body to get a certain way, um, they probably have an unhealthy relationship with food. Okay. Mm -hmm. so what I mean by that is most of us don't eat purely for health. You know, we eat for a lot of other reasons, don't we? And we receive a lot of pleasure through our mouth. Right. You know? So um, unfortunately what happens for many of us is we use food as a way to deal with other things. So if somebody, for example, is not very good at allowing or expressing what is perceived or experienced as negative emotion often what we do is we try and take something in to push it back down and a common way of doing that is overeating you know because when we eat we help to it helps to just satiate feeling so it's uh yeah in my experience commonly people that overeat um they're using it to manage other things yeah yeah, oh, I, I, I would definitely agree with that because it's been my experience that you can, you need to dive deeper and address the mind, what I'll call the mindset issues yeah. with, yeah, with people. Sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the exercise and the diet will really help with, with health and it's really, really important. But if the underlying issue is that somebody doesn't feel at ease enough with themselves that whatever is arising for them, they've learned how to be okay with. We're always going to be reaching for something to try and get rid of it. Yeah. Um, and that can lead to all sorts of different problems. And, and is it your experience that uh, people can 
successfully change the way they look at things? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's there seems to be inherent within all humans some fundamental constraints that we all struggle with. Okay, now how we go about managing them can vary hugely, but there's fundamental constraints that we all struggle with. Common ones are a sense of not being enough in some way. It's hugely common, you know, and it's not a good or bad, but how we are in relationship with it can be good or bad, you know, because <laughs> that sense of inadequacy can really be a driving force for people to achieve in the world. So letting go of it can be quite scary as an idea because they're like, well, what would I do if I didn't have that, you know? But it can also lead to a lot of being very, um, very critical of yourself, punishing yourself easily, blaming yourself for everything. It can result in quite a lot of damaging patterns for your own experience. So it isn't a product of trying to get rid of that sort of sense of not being enough. It's just how we are in relationship with it. It's reconciling the relationship with it. So for me, the, the sense of identity is kind of like this scared child. It's our attempt to essentially navigate our experience of life as best as we know how. Um, and sometimes within that up comes some stuff that's quite tricky. And normally we would look to try and manipulate circumstances so we don't have to feel it, you know? So whenever that feeling arises, a behavior pattern steps back in and we try and manage our experience. Um, and that results in a lot of patterns developing. But if we learn how to be okay with that experience, so I always think of it as like the quintessential mother energy. So when that aspect of us arises, we know how to hold it. We know how to say, no, you're okay. There's nothing wrong with what's, what you're feeling. And then we bring in the quintessential fathering energy of, all right, what do we do now? You know, we don't get stuck in it. We're just like, okay, it's okay that I feel this. Let's crack on. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people are always attempting to try and push down, manage, get rid of. Mm -hmm. um, so it just ends up in a, this is my issue with a lot of mindset work is it's seeing it as something to overcome as opposed to something to just accept it's going to be there, but how we are in relationship with it we can do something about. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so where did, where did you pick up the, uh, the mindset portion of your, of your knowledge? Did you? Okay. So a couple of components, one, um, through meditation retreats and having a meditation practice. Um, you know, meditation is very much about, well, there's two wings to it. Okay. So one wing is awareness practices. So that's, you know, like I said, you can be aware of thought, feeling, sensation, but all of those things are happening within the, the empty vessel that you could call awareness itself, you know? So once you recognize, oh, I'm not that story that's happening within awareness, I am what is aware of that, that then gives space to start being discerning about what you choose to allow into your which is the other wing of meditation. Okay. Okay. And you've frozen a little bit over my Zoom connection. Traditionally, it can also include um, being confident, you know, feeling powerful. It can, it can include that stuff as well, as long as it's not causing harm, potentially. Gotcha. So, um, you know, bringing those two wings together is something that you learn through any genuine meditation path. Unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff out there now that is essentially meditation as a tool to manage stress. It doesn't really 
kind of an alternative to popping an antidepressant or something. It's not actually making a huge difference to people's lives. It's just a management tool. Um, so that reveals essentially the meditation stuff reveals what's going on in you when you're not reacting and responding to it. So that's really useful for insight. However, bringing that into your interactions is a whole other matter. That's when you have to learn how you're using your language, you know, the, what comes up for you in relationship. Nothing shows us our triggers, Mitch, more than another person, you know? So that's where we have to learn how to better relate with our experience of other people. So that in my experience is another area of work because a lot of monastic settings, people stay in those areas for a while, you know? So it's not necessarily brought out into the world in the same way. Um, so for me, there's a few different modalities I looked at. One is something called nonviolent communication created by an American guy called Marshall Rosenberg. The way nonviolent communication works, it's the language of what your current experience is, not your judgment of it, not your, your history projected onto it, but your present moment experience. So for example, I would say to you, Mitch, I notice there's a white sphere in your glasses. Okay, so that's a direct observation, not a judgment, you know, <laughs> just a direct observation. Second, I would acknowledge what's going on for me. So I feel curious what, 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 what's causing that. And then I also acknowledge the need that's in me that isn't being met, that is causing that curiosity to be there. And then I make a request rather than a demand because I re respect that it's up to you whether or not you meet it. You're free to say, fuck off, I've got other things to do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I take my, I take responsibility as opposed to, to blame. Yeah. So it's very, very good in uh, any kind of conflict situation, because in conflict situations, we often resort to kind of blaming and saying stupid things like you made me feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Which... it's a really useful way to do that. And that's pretty common. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So that's blaming everyone and everything for our own experience. Uh, then there was the process of going to therapy. Um, and I went through the route of Gestalt therapy. It just seemed to resonate more with me than other styles. Uh, and then um, went down the route of holistic coaching. So learning how to do that for others. Um, and that gives you a whole set of just ways of talking about things that help to give people a little bit of space because the ego likes to take everything personally and make everything about itself so often that's reflected in the way that we speak so to just start using different language patterns the beauty in it mitch is it starts to if you're going to speak differently you're required to look at how you're thinking you know, so it starts to slow that down and extract areas of it that aren't helpful. And, and then moment by moment, life starts to be the teacher. You don't have to be sitting there doing these practices all the time, although they're useful as a reminder, but your, your day-to-day -day experience then starts to be the teacher, you know? So we're always learning. We're not sort of, um, we don't become stagnant, stagnant and reach an end point. Just like the whole thing becomes an adventure and a learning process. Interesting. Yeah. So, physical practices. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So the, the physical practices, Mitch, for me are, that's the access point for a lot of people. You know, the stress and the pain is kind of the access point. Um, because all of this stuff is going on at the same time. It tends to 
how someone holds themselves in the world is usually a product of their relationship with themselves. You know, your body is a manifestation of your past up to now, you know, how you've eaten, how you've interacted and moved in the world. Um, so what happens as somebody, particularly in a yoga practice where there's a lot of awareness of breath and movement in a way that requires feeling how to engage, how to open at the same time, you have to pay a lot of attention. It's quite introspective by nature. Um, that leads to a heightened awareness of just feedback from your own body. And as that starts to heighten, that's when you start becoming more aware of the mental and emotional and how that's impacting you. Whereas if it's more of a goal-based form of exercise, the goal is often very much the focus, so it doesn't necessarily require someone to you know, have that kind of introspective quality. Yeah, so if you, if you boil it all down, because <laughs> you there's quite a bit and and i'm i'm not trying to diminish it at all but right. to boil it all down it's basically becoming more aware of everything that's going on around you inside your body and outside your body yeah we want to live a full experience no yeah yeah, yeah. that that's that's really cool that's really cool because yeah. most people don't think of it like that I, I don't I, I tend to avoid making any statement that implies most people if I'm honest because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't know Mitch <laughs> yeah well I'll be bold enough to make that assumption that Ooh, you've got bigger we, balls than me Mitch yeah <laughs> maybe it's an age thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I, th I think most people have the practice, not the practice, but we just go from situation to situation or event to event. Yeah. And yeah, possibly. And and don't really put a perspective on everything that's going on at at any one time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very possibly, and that's um, so. Some people call this conditioning. You know, you've you've learned to interpret the world in a certain way. And subsequently, that's how you go about it. And, and you, you have people in your life often that help to support that, that sort of worldview and you reject anyone that kind of doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Did you, did you, uh, when you went to university, was psychology your, your major? I never went to university. Oh, you didn't? No, a lot of my, um, in fact, a lot of the work I've, I've done on myself has been a product of growing up in um, kind of a very working class home where no one had ever been to university or anything like that. So it wasn't even, not that it wasn't on the cards, but I, I didn't really have any influences around me kind of pointing that out as a possibility. It was only later on in life that a lot of these things started to be revealed. So, um, you know, it has been a process for me to work through to realize, okay, just because I didn't do that doesn't mean that I'm worth less because yeah. it is quite I would say for a lot of people it's the norm to go and do some kind of college degree or university degree you know, to yeah. have a year out to go to university get married have children yeah I, I think that's at least in the US I think that seems to be the path that most people take or, or would like to take even if it's just a two-year um, community college degree yeah. Um, yeah, my pursuit was more, so as my childhood experience is something I always wanted to escape. 
And as I got to a certain age and that possibility was presented, then I just wanted to travel. So I spent a few years living in different countries. And then when I got back, felt very unsettled, staying in one place. That led me to yoga. Uh, actually, no, initially it led me to drugs, if I'm honest. Um, and I was into that for quite a while. That was my escape. Uh, and then as I got into yoga, the realization that I was kind of trying to escape myself gradually appeared. Uh, but it wasn't overnight. It was a process. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So everything sort of built on itself to get you where you are today. Yeah, it's almost like actually life is supporting us, not against us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so let's go back to meditation for a second cuz Oh yeah. I uh I took a meditation class. I was a psychology major when I went to college. Okay. Um and I did take a transcendental meditation yeah. class. Yeah, very um, familiar with that. Yeah, and, and so that was back in the early 70s. And I can't say that I took a lot away from it other than the initial uh, um, 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 of, uh, I guess, I'm not sure if this is correct terminology, but trying to get in the zone. Uh, but uh, I know there's different forms of meditation. And a lot of those things, that's all. Say that again. What was that? Can you say that again? Because there was a there was a period where the internet kind of froze. Yeah, it froze. I I said uh, I know there's a lot of different forms of meditation, um, and and you read even now. Yeah. Well, there it, are, but they have the same. Um, the, the principle is the same. You know, the one aspect of it is disconnecting from the sense of self as you are to realize I'm not that story. Uh, so, for example, there's a great um, Persian poet called Rumi. He was a Sufi. So Sufi is like the mystical section of Islam. Um, and he spoke a lot about the veil once the veil is removed. So the veil is the, the sense of identity, you know, mm. that what you're filtering everything through is the veil. Once you, once you let that go, you realize, oh, there is just what is now what I make of that is always going to be, I have the freedom to choose. Mm -hmm. but, but until we pull the veil away, we don't realize there's any freedom of choice. We're, we're just spouting what we've been fed as we've moved through life. So the, yeah, hopefully so there's some wisdom in that. I think there's some wisdom usually in it. It's not like everything we've been given is a waste of time, you know, but um, usually there's a quite a few areas that perhaps we can let go of. It's, it sounds similar to at least an aspect of self-determination theory, which is a sense of autonomy. Yeah. 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 Same. Um, yeah. There's different, lots of different ways of describing the same thing, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. So, so when you, if you, if you see some of the stuff that's out there now on the internet and social media and whatever, talking about, you know, stress management and you know do some some meditation or go into a dark room and just let your mind open up or do deep breathing techniques mm. those almost 
seem to me to be different than what you're describing because you what you're describing seems to have a a much deeper not just meaning but a much deeper impact on um, what what you're trying to do with sort of the, the I guess the, the mind-body connection yeah well I mean it's again it's just an it's another access point you know I think that some people in my experience will do some breath work practices and that will move them into a little bit more exploration um, but there's some great breath work stuff out there now you know like Wim Hof's work is really having a wonderful impact on people's lives you know, and, and, and I would say within his uh, system, you've got all of the components of old traditions condensed and brought together in a very pragmatic way, in the sense that, you know, through, through his breath work, you can access kind of a real mental quiescence that eludes a lot of people. Through the cold showers, you access that, oh, I can do things I didn't think I was able to do. So that's kind of the empowerment side of it. So it's kind of, it's all contained within it, but it doesn't suit, to, to get some people to have a cold shower is going to be a bloody nightmare, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. different access points. If someone's more intellectual by nature, they need a load of um, mental masturbation to sort of actually get motivated. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? So yeah. There's different access points for different people. And, and it's, is it your job as their coach to help them find it or do they have to find that on their own? Um, my job as a coach really is just to hold a space for them to realize their stuff more. All I can do is ask the right questions. You know, all I can do is point out my experience of them hopefully in a way that reveals them back to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they don't always like what they see, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if, if truth be told, and again, I'm going to make an assumption, I think most people would uh, fall into that category to some degree that there's something about them selves that, that they don't like yeah but that's inherent within all of us that's what, yeah, um, that's what i'm saying yeah 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 but that is not if we can own that acknowledge it and accept it about ourselves ex our experience changes in um in a very deep and meaningful way because no longer are you in conflict with yourself and no longer are you in conflict with anyone else who reveals that to you all of a sudden you're in a space of I'm okay with that about myself. That doesn't hold me back. That doesn't mean that I have to hide aspects of myself. Think of it in this way. If me, if I invited you to a dinner, I, have, I can't remember the guy's name, but um, this is a way another man explained it. And I thought this was really, really good. Let's say you're hosting a dinner party, Mitch. And to this dinner party, your guests are your emotions. Okay. Now you would invite joy wouldn't you? You'd invite humor, happiness, you know, but you wouldn't invite despair. You wouldn't invite sadness. You wouldn't invite depression. Okay. So our own um, ability to be okay with more guests is going to determine our own capacity to be at ease with more of life. 
Oh, I and like most it. of us shut the door on a lot of the guests, and that takes a lot of effort. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> like that. And yeah. it's all just going on inside you all the time. I like that. I like that a lot. Mm. I might have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a nice way of describing it, yeah. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, um, there's a, like, if I use another example, it's a, a, from Rumi, the poet. He talks about the guest house, that this human being is a guest house, and to invite all of the guests in because they will leave when they're ready. <laughs> They'll come in when they're ready, just to have an open door. But many of us, we're not like that. We want to keep certain guests and we want other guests to stay out. So we're constantly, the sense of a me is just this sense of someone who has to manage it all. And that takes a lot of effort. And it means we're not available to life because all of our effort is put into trying to manage our experience. It's really interesting how, you know, you've talked about concepts coming out of different cultures almost. Yeah. But they all come back and are are not just related, but they're almost the same concept, just stated a little different. Good. So we're getting somewhere, aren't we? The message is universal, but the expression is uh, subjective. Right. The sub yeah, subjective almost to the what the culture is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But if you can see through that nonsense. Do you, do you think Western culture sort of cut some of that off? No, no, I don't. I think um, I think people can choose to cut it off because we have uh, more access to information in Western culture than perhaps any other part of the world. You know, it's not like it's not accessible. Yeah, it, and but my point was more Western culture doesn't, at least today, doesn't seem to be as philosophical and is more closed-minded. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could um, shield behind the, the most again, if you want to, if you want to use that word. Um, but I would say that... Uh, we get feedback according to how we are. So if somebody isn't experiencing that, then they're probably not involved in an area where that's going to be revealed to them or um, perhaps just haven't yet developed the inclination towards that kind of stuff. But because there, there's, there's big movements of it, like there's, there's lots of uh, you know, great teachers in America, um, all sorts of online apps and um, like channels on Amazon that are specific for, there's a lot of bullshit out there as well, but there's, there's a lot of really good stuff to, to kind of help people with these kind of things. Do you, do you, do you still maintain the daily meditation practice? And I think my internet connection is very unstable today. So I'll wait for Danny to come back. Do you do you still do you maintain a uh, daily meditation practice? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I do every day. If I'm totally honest, I do 
five days a week. Because oh, under, the way I do it is I do I do breath work exercises in my physical practice, and um, you know I, I listen to to something that I tell myself <laughs> every day. So I spend a lot of time making sure the content of what is being fed to my mind is always productive, um, and then I find that the breath work can take me into a mental quiet space, the same way meditation does. Um, it depends on how my day is kind of structured. So some days at the end of a day, 9.30, I'll sit in meditation for an hour. Other days I'll be a bit too sleepy and I'll be like, okay, if I'm, I'm, either I force myself to sit here for an hour or I'll just have a good night's sleep. So yeah. Yeah, I'm not as um, rigid with it as I was when I first started, if I'm honest. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think there comes a point where what you do off of the mat or the cushion is more important than time spent on a mat or a cushion. Okay. Yep. I get that. Do you, uh, how about, do you do yoga every day? Yeah. Yeah. Well, six, I do six, uh, six days a week. I do my physical practice because that takes between an hour and an hour and a half. Really? Um, it's quite, yeah, because I've, I've created, um, self-practice sequences so the style that i have a preference towards is called vinyasa so breath and movement are together so it kind of flows um some like you, you may have seen like the animal style and things like that that's out mm -hmm. there now it's kind, yeah. of, kind of like that but in ways that are a little bit more um creating a lot more flexibility in the body yeah um so that's my preferred way because it addresses all bases it's kind of like a workout in the sense that it's tough, um, but it's done at the speed of the breath. So you're always working to kind of support and control the speed of your breath. That awareness of breathing uh, means that you're a lot more focused on what your experience is right now, rather than just, right, I'm going to do 10 of these, 15 of these. You're, you're kind of really feeling and moving at the same time. Yeah, I like that. I, uh, to be honest, I've only tried yoga a few times and... I'm not very good at it, but my okay. body. Where does that judgment come from, Mitch? That comes from experience of. I, I think. I think it's because I'm not flexible, and okay. and and have a lot of have a lot of issues when I've done yoga with the uh, the movement. As in, when you say issues, what you found it difficult or uncomfortable? Um, probably, probably both, and yeah, and, okay. and some of the like some of the position. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. A number of people have told me that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 sometimes so tight that I can't even get into get into a position. Yeah. Okay. So the, the interesting thing with that is, um, I'm going to use the gender bias a little bit, which. Personally, I'm not a fan of, but there are certain patterns I've noticed that quite often women are drawn to yoga because the flexibility component can come more easily to them, you know, because that, that, that kind of softening and letting go. However, when it comes to the stretch reflex initiating, there has to be an engagement, you know, reciprocal inhibition. One muscle group has to be engaged for the opposing to switch off. So right. a, post a posture shouldn't just be a floppy thing. It should be like, I'm strong but I'm opening up in another area. 
you know so there should be that awareness of both now for women it's easier to access the flexibility component as a rule some women not depends on on what they've got going on uh, for a lot of men they're very good at the strength component but that component of actually isn't about pushing harder it's about softening a lot of men find that hard you know yeah um, and I think yoga is a wonderful modality to help balance out those opposites or the, that pull towards the extreme that many of us have. So a lot of men, I think something that encourages a little bit more reflection, slowing down and softening can really help with, um, with them being more at ease with some of the things that usually they would fight against. And for a lot of women, I think developing those strength components can really help them to feel a little bit uh, stronger and safer in the world, world rather than the narrative of men need to change because you make me feel all the time. Yeah. You can edit that out if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that uh, I totally get that. Mm. I need to, uh, when everything opens up, I need to come to Nottingham and get, uh, get some yoga work in. <laughs> Because, because yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I group do one of the, the classes. I do one, one free class a fortnight. I stream into the, into the free group. Uh, and there's plenty of videos in there. You can have a play around. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You might get frustrated with yourself a little bit though. I tend to do that. Yeah. 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 That's one of the things that yoga tends to reveal. It's sort of like you're taking yourself into a position of discomfort up arises all of the stuff that would usually cause you to run away from that discomfort so you're pissed off annoyed frustrated i don't like this all of that kind of stuff yeah yeah what's what's your what's your free group called uh stress less and feel your best body stress. mind mastery group stress less and feel your best shall i put it in the chat yeah That way, as an added bonus for any of the listeners of my podcast, they can take advantage of that. There you go, buddy. So I saw some feel your best body, mind, mastery group. Okay. Do you have to answer questions to get in the group? Yeah, you do. Uh, and I do reject a lot of people because they don't take the time to answer. <laughs> I, well, I do the same thing. Yeah. If they, if they only answer the three questions, I don't let them in. Yeah. I've even tried contacting people to sort of say, look, I noticed you didn't answer the questions. Would you be willing to go back? And a lot of people aren't. It just, it's just another group. I want to join. I yeah. yeah I, I do the same thing. I had somebody, for instance, recommend nine people into the group but none of them responded. So I sent them a message and, and said, you know, so-and-so invited you into the group. Did you want to, uh, yeah. to join? If so, answer the three questions and yeah. you're, you're good to go. And uh, yeah, I think most people are overwhelmed with groups. I think. Well, I think that's their own fault though, because they join too many. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we've had that discussion in the mastermind too. About, yeah, yeah, and, about and I think membership. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in. I think ten, but I'm not active in a lot of them, and I don't even look at them. It's just that 
they are ones that I'm members of, so I can put content in them. Yeah. Because they're local, so it gives me an, a chance. I can upload my stuff into them. So. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will. Uh, I will call a halt to it there, so you can get on with your afternoon because it is uh, three o'clock there now. It is three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So, Danny, I appreciate. It's been, uh, it's been nice talking to you, Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I sat and had a chat, really. Yeah, I I enjoyed this. It uh, it opened my mind to uh, some things that I had maybe not really thought about, and especially the uh, your comments about the uh, Gestalt. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm so, glad you uh, glad you appreciate and and enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so, for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, and uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll uh, say it again for people if they want to answer the three questions and join Danny's group. It's called Stress Less and Feel Your Best, the Body Mind Mastery Group yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. So maybe you'll get some. Uh, some new uh new members right. are and maybe uh maybe i'll come join one of your free yoga sessions and suffer through it <laughs> so with that i uh danny i appreciate you taking the time yeah no worries buddy tell me does your um when you're looking at extracting the audio from this, is all those pauses and stuff going to appear? Uh, I'm going to have to run through it and see. And okay. I, this this might be a, a, a longer than normal editing job. <laughs> but right. so that's going to be a chance for you to cultivate patience and slowing down. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. And and hopefully after this uh, this Friday when I get my new internet installed yeah. at speeds supposedly eight times faster than I currently have. Wow. I won't have I won't have these issues anymore. Yeah. Nice. All right, buddy. Great speaking to you and uh, enjoy your day. Yeah, you too. Take care, Danny. Bye bye. Bye. -bye.